First off, OG, I'd like to thank you for coming and, and rocking with us. Man, you part of our history, part of our memory. You one of the reasons that we play this game. We watched you. You one of the reasons I feel the lane the way I feel the lane. <laughs> I, I ran that flow like <laughs> like trying to be like you running that flow, but we definitely appreciate you you coming down and rocking with us. It's a pleasure, man. You know, uh, thanks for reaching back. You know, it's always uh, it's always nice to recognize you know those that came before you. I know brothers that came before me, you know, I got a chance to say hello and thank them and share some memories. Yeah. And it's always it's always nice to be appreciated too. You know yeah. what I mean? Definitely it's nice to be here, man. When you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? First person to bust my ass was Alex English. Alex English. Okay. Ooh, uh, don't 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 fall asleep on some of the old OGs. And then after that, it was a brother named Purvis Short. Purvis oh, Short. Uh, a little step back. Yeah. But Alex English, uh, playing up in Denver. In Denver. Mm -hmm. He had a little advantage because, as you guys know, you know, the first four or five minutes, you just you just playing catch up. Justin. Uh, he moved without the ball. They had a passing game, and he released the ball on on the way up. It was weird. You couldn't stop it when they got hot. So Alex English, I, dropped, I think he dropped like maybe like 40. Mm. And, then, uh, and then the Iceman – was uh Ooh, the Iceman was just the flip. He 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 really meant it when he said everybody can dunk. Everybody can't roll. Everybody can't. And he wouldn't say <laughs> finger. He'd say finger. <laughs> finger roll. Man. He, he'd give it to you, boy. Yo, 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 we live on location. We came all the way out to La La Land, man. We had to come out here because this is some legendary-ish that's going on. We had to pull up on the legendary one, UNC Chapel Zone. What's his name? The, one of the four forefounders of championships and one of the <laughs> one of the Lakers forever. Y'all can name, check them out. This big game big James game in the building. You gotta baby. pull up the Hollywood uh. to come see the big game James. And look, man, he blessed us today, man. I ain't have my goggles, but listen, y'all tap in. This is greatness right here. Championships, MVPs, and nice, look, baby. this is greatness. The Lake Show in the building. North Carolina, you grew up in North Carolina. Gastonia. Could it, could it be anybody else? Was it almost anybody else except for the Tar Heels? You know, not really. You know, I went to basketball camp in the ninth grade, yeah. and I, just, I was in love with, uh, you know, North Carolina and Dean Was it UNC tar, uh, basketball camp? Yeah, it was the first one I ever, I ever went to. You know, I was just old enough, like maybe nine years old, to remember uh, Charlie Scott coming mm. to uh, UNC. He was the first uh, black to come to the ACC. Right. And like Dean Smith caught hell for that. Yeah. You know, down south and uh, it had never happened before. They hated that, man. And so that always uh, grew on me as I got older, you know. So I fell in love with North Carolina and Phil Ford, Walter Davis. Phil Ford, shout out Phil. Yeah, yeah. Phil Ford. So, you know, <laughs> and you know, so that was it, but Dominique Wilkins was also from North Carolina, right? Yeah. So I think had he chosen to go to North Carolina, I, I, I was going to go to UCLA because mm. a country boy uh, had a had a visit to California, Ooh, never been to California, LA. blew me away. 
You know what I mean? Them banners, the championship. Oh man, the banners, the weather, uh, the weather. Mm. You know, you know. Here's a here's a country boy never seen anything. You know, like and palm the, trees the, hit the young, different, didn't the, they? Yeah, the, 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 the palm trees, the diversity and ladies all over the place, man. Yeah. I was like, it was crazy. I also visited Michigan State. I knew I wasn't going there, but I I had to meet Magic Johnson. Yeah, because mm. no, back back in seventy nine, eighty, you. 81, you just, you never heard of a 610 point guard. So you had those visits. How, how was that when you went there and got to meet Magic? Man, I had to meet him. And uh, he picked me up in a deuce and a quarter, man, at the deuce airport. Deuce and a quarter. Electric 225. <laughs> he had a big old Y'all young afro. folks don't know what that means right I, there. I, we I, gonna, that's all right, though. He had a big old afro. And he was, you know, at, the, at that moment, I was like, I don't know what he's gonna do. He'll probably be a great basketball player, but I thought he was gonna be like the next Don Corneers or something. He yeah. had it. Yeah, he that, that he energy had something. something to him. As soon as you got in the car, he was leaning over like this, man. You know, I thought I thought I was his date for a second. <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, you know, you come here next year. You know, me, you, Javis." I said, "Magic already heard you getting up out of here after this year, man. I just wanted to come spend the weekend with you." Right. But yeah, North Carolina was it though. Uh, you know, Dean Smith and you know Phil Ford was a big, big favorite. So yeah, that that was that's where I had my mind about ninety eight percent coming out. So of was it the North Carolina guys that gave you the vision of like man, them was the first guys you seen to be like, man, I wanna I wanna play basketball, I wanna do that. Who who gave you the vision or who you seen that was like, man, I wanna play basketball? It was the it was my my older brothers used to have to babysit. So going around with them, mm -hmm. my older brother was my first coach, but I was a skinny kid. I didn't like sports. I it, it wasn't when I was small. It was probably when I started to watch Back then, it was the Baltimore Bullets, mm -hmm. okay? And they had a brother named Bob Dandridge. Bob Dandridge. Bob Dandridge, yeah. man. Bob Dandridge had that 10-foot range game, man. He could shoot. Uh, and so I was young. I was like 11, 12, and I was growing, mm -hmm. you know? And I was a, I was a sorry-ass football player, baseball. <laughs> I, I was just – but basketball, I wasn't really good, yeah. but, but I loved it. You know what I mean? So – I started watching the Baltimore Bullets and they had Wes Unsell, you know, guys like that. And and that's kind of when I started to, to to fall in love with the game. You know, I didn't know anything about, you know, professional or whether I was gonna play in yeah. college. And then I found out about a scholarship one day at the boys club. I was hanging out and Mr. Perry was talking to some older guys. I was like 12 and, and these other guys were like 16, 17. Yeah. So he was talking to them about Scholarships. And going to college. Yeah. You know, you can get a football scholarship. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a okay student, mm -hmm. but I'm not smart enough to get no, you know, but he's talking about an athletic scholarship. Right. I never heard no athletic scholarship. Yeah. So that motivated me right there. So from there, I just, you know, did the work with the camps. Yeah. You know, played the game like like we all did. You yeah. know, make a few sacrifices here and there. And uh, yeah, that's 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 why we're sitting here at the table. In high school, when did you know that you was elite? Like when, it was like junior year, when you know you was elite, and like you the know best. they was mentioning your name with other names around the country. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a it was a, back then it was the McDonald's uh, parade, all American parade, all yeah. that. You remember that? Yeah. You know, I I was six eight in the eighth grade. Yeah. What? I was six eight in the eighth grade. I was almost about the height I am now. I grew like one inch after yeah. that. So when you start getting like letters, you start blowing your mind. You know, you you know, oh man, I got a letter Damn. from Indiana. 
And uh, and then, you know, in high school, we we got the chance to play uh, DeMatha High School. DeMatha. Which we would in never. DC. In DC. Yeah, exactly. DC, we, yeah. we would never had uh, Wittenberg and uh, Lowe and some other good players. You know, and so because our high school was ranked in the top 25, but we wouldn't have never gotten to play them, you know, if, if it wasn't all the noise around right. yeah. All-America being there. So, you know, I guess it was around the 10th grade. I, I You know, I knew I, was, you know, I had something. Cause you know when you start getting those letters, you you start freaking out. You know, yeah. like fifteen. So so wait a minute. Like, <laughs> at what point did you hit the growth spurt to be six eight in eighth grade? Like, was it seventh sixth grade? Like, was it like over a like a summer or was it two years? And you went from like six feet to six it was, eight. It was a summer. Uh, yeah. uh, from transitioning from the seventh grade to the eighth grade. I was That's like six one because I grew from sixth grade to, to seventh grade a few inches. Then, from seventh grade to eighth grade, there was like maybe five inches that came. What did your parents do? Like, what did they say about clothes and everything? Hey, like shoes and everything. I was I was asking my dad for a pair of shoes like every two three weeks to the point where he went out and bought a lawnmower, and he said, "Boy." There your no, shoes you. are right there. You know, I started turning into a little entrepreneur, man. Yeah. But yeah, I was growing out of clothes. I was eating everything. You know, same thing you guys eating everything in the house. You <laughs> yeah. know, uh, awkward moments, and you know when you're tall, and you know everybody looking at you like you know. But it, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was an experience, man. I'm, I'm not, it, you know, shaped who you are. Now you wearing you wearing that Tar Heel blue, and and Dean Smith is your coach, and you know. You got all these guys that you playing with. How was it when you when you first got on campus and you got to playing for Dean Smith and just seeing his philosophy and you know just how he structured y'all to play? Dean was different. He was you know he he was by the book. People don't believe me when I say that, but he wasn't mentally sound. He wasn't, like he wasn't you know it, it wasn't no wasn't no money involved. You know he you know you you know he gave Michael Jordan the science and the theory of the game that he needed, and so that's what you. You know, you walked into everybody was treated the same from the towel boy to to anybody. You know, he believed on being on time, didn't allow you to swear. He didn't swear. It was uh, he was old school, old school discipline. And, you know, if you were willing to lay your ego down and, and create that team, he really taught it. He taught you how to be a team person and, you know, and really prepare you to be a citizen, you know, he used his platform as a basketball course to kind of lift you up. And the way you can tell, you know, you know, you got the Sam Perkins and the MJs and me and the Vince Carters and all them brothers. But then you look at some of the brothers that didn't make it. They doing okay. You yeah, know? exactly. Because he kind of said, okay. Bring them back to the program. He kind of yeah. prepped you for get ready for life. For life. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, I always appreciated that about Coach Smith. And he was always conscious away from the court. Like, he was, he didn't believe in, you know, innocent you know, brothers on uh, on death row. He fought for a lot of different things, which made him, you know, much respected from the, the players who played for him. And then people out, outside the program as well. When did you first start wearing the goggles? And when did you get comfortable with wearing? That went to the NBA, right? The yeah, I, I got an eye injury one time in college, right? Yeah. Got a thing in the eye, blurry for a couple of days. Didn't think nothing of it when you're young. But I got another one in, 84, I believe, 83, 84, I think. 
And that one was that one was bad. It was like somebody's half a finger went up in the socket. I was out for like two weeks with a patch on my eye, right? So when I came back after being out a week or so, I was you know I used to go through the hole real strong, and I was gone, and then I would get to the contact area where the guards you know the guards start reaching right. down. I would mm-hmm. get there and I would ease up a little bit and shoot some bullshit, you know, some floater, and. On the other side of the block was Kareem, who also wore goggles. And he he saw it and he knew exactly what was I was experiencing because he he had experienced the eye injuries, you know. So he said, Yeah, you I, I know you're thinking about getting hit again. And I was. And he said, you know, put the goggles on and you know, you you you'll be protected, and that's why I wear them. And so I started wearing them. And, you know, they they fog up a little bit. You have to take them off and wipe them off all the time until our trainers poke some holes in them, drill some holes in them, let them kind of defog. Then I really got used to them mm-hmm. to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't play without. Couldn't play without. Them. But it was Kareem who turned me on, and you know I did get hit again. You know I didn't get hit in the eye; I just got lost some skin. You know yeah, from the glasses the goggles yeah. because they were you know they old protected. plastic. Yeah. Now they're you know they're 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 modern. so much better. Now, oh yeah, right? of course. <laughs> you played in the third ever McDonald's game. Yeah, and, and you had Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Wilkins, Byron Scott, uh, Ralph Sampson. How was that like? What was that like to be, you know, honored like that in the playing a game like that? And then, you know, what was it like for you? Was that your first time seeing all of those different guys playing against them or playing with them? Yeah, because I never, I never really went to too many camps. Like there was a lot of camps around. I, I, I pretty much stayed in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but McDonald's, they, they bought. The best, right. so that was when you think about it. The names you you mentioned, you know, there's some, you That's know, crazy. Dominique's yeah. Hall of Famer, Isaiah's a Hall of Famer, you know, Sam Bowie was in that class, um, you know, uh, like you said, uh, Ralph Sampson. There were some other guys like Paxson, you know, yeah. John Paxson. John was in Paxson. There. You know, when you for the first time you leave your little small town, yeah, right, and you go somewhere like Washington D.C. All the, best all, of the, best all the whole of nation on looking at this you know, joint. If you're from the city, New York, you're used to that. Yeah. But I was like, I, was a, I had a little bit of anxiety, you know, in the yeah. warm-up line, you know, it was like so, so Isaiah, many people. you know, it was like, the guys were good too, you know. Right. And so once you get over the jitters, you know, you, you, know, you always feel like you got something to prove. But it's cool to be amongst the best. And you know it, some some great relationships with the veteran because we Byron Scott and I talk about it all the time. Right, mm-hmm. now, you remember we were staying in the in the Hyatt Hotel and you know DC, you know. So it, it's like relationships that that you that you build. Yeah, yeah. You a bucket getter when you go to different levels. You dominated the championship game against Georgetown, but when did you solidify in the world? You felt the world knew that you was like a, a real bucket getter. I think it was maybe the the Georgetown game or that season. I yeah. broke my ankle my freshman year and didn't get to play in the tournament. Yeah, came back with pins in my ankle my sophomore year, a little bit overweight, couldn't move, had arthritis, Achilles, you know, tendonitis. But in my junior year, I was healthy, and we had Big Sam Perkins. I mean, uh, Michael Jordan was a freshman, you right. know, coming coming along with the, the the science of the game. And it was my turn, you know. In college, uh, a senior were graduating. You so know, it's, it's yeah. junior, it's junior, senior, junior, senior. I'm on. Yeah, it's my junior time. Yeah. I wasn't a senior yet, but I, I knew I was the the guy yeah. that could, you know, score uh, along with Sam. So 
uh, doing that Georgetown series, man, you know, we lost to Indiana the year before. Mm-hmm. Dean Smith had never won uh, NCAA championship. He had been to the Final Four probably more than anybody, but he never won. So, man, we were tired of that. So we lost to Indiana in 81, got back to campus. Our, our captain, Jimmy Black from the Bronx, he said, man, we, we, we got to take responsibility and, and win you know, for Coach Smith, you know, he's he's done all he can do. It's up to us now. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were motivated, and I knew I had to step it up. So, you know, Sleepy Floyd uh, is the only reason I haven't won a championship. I never at, won. At every level. In That's why I was going to ask you about that. In high school. So that, he, he, he messed up your every school. level. He messed it up. For he you got to be one of the few guys that exactly. got it at every single level because he, he got you he in got high school. In, he got me in high school. So I also had revenge on my How mind. much did you relish in that when you <laughs> got up like, in the NCAA? Okay. Let me, hey, I was hey, like, hey. We're from the same town. Right. Yeah. Go to the same church sometime. That's yeah. crazy. Play at the same, you know, rec centers. Mm-hmm. You know, this was bragging rights. I I could picture all my homeboys in the barbershop right. at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I had to get I had to get him. And it was some get back, get back, and but they had Patrick Ewan, yeah, big big Pat, a freshman. He was he was a monster. <laughs> he protected that His freshman too. Year, he was a monster even as a freshman. You know, when you a freshman, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> you just wild. So he came like, here ready to go. Tasmanian devil. He was. And they had like eight deep, we had like five, you know, so it was a struggle. But I knew there was nobody. You know, Sam could get some buckets, and MJ was elevating. Yeah, He was elevating, he had some big buckets in that game. Mm-hmm. But as a freshman, you know, when you were a junior, you always think as a freshman, as a freshman. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I got to keep us close. That was the only thing I was thinking. I said, I gotta keep us close enough that we can have a chance at the end. So I was like, let's go. What was your first impression of, of Mike? Michael Jordan was, he wasn't arrogant, but man, was he confident. confident. <laughs> he was confident, right? Like he came in talking. Like he came in like, you know, just talking crap all the time. Like after practice, you know how the college practice are, when they're over, you ready to get off the court and get on back. Forever. And so I would be walking off the court after about two and a half hours of practice and here comes Michael, a freshman, you know, bullying me, <laughs> you know, pushing me back on the court. Where you going, young fella? Calling me young fella, where you going? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, let's play, let's play a game to five. He, Cause he always wanted to measure where he was who against the best. And at the time I was, I was the best, you know, I don't know if you guys saw his documentary, no, we the, did. The last dance, you know, I made a statement. I said, you know, shit, I was better than Michael Jordan Definitely. for about three weeks, you know. <laughs> I remember and that. And so, I mean, he hated to lose. The brother just, it would be a game of backgammon. If he lost. Shout he, out to backgammon. He, I played he, that with my right, mama right, growing up. Real right, talk. Right. You just listen. I played AC Ducey. You hear me? You got to bring it back like war and you Uno and all you that stuff. You know what I'm Real talk. Yeah, I played with my that. mama But he was a winner. Up. He was a winner, he hated to lose, and he was overly competitive. Whether it was on the basketball court or whether it was in the dorm talking shit, it didn't matter. He was competitive in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Was, was that championship game what solidified you? Like, yeah, I'm not gonna go my senior year, I'm gonna go pro. Like, I didn't did this against Georgetown. Like, champ, we won a championship, I'm the best player on the team. 
Like, yeah. did that give you some confidence? Be like, yeah, it's time for me to go. It was. It did. It, it, it was. It was perfect timing. Yeah, to have an NCAA playoffs like I did, mm-hmm. you know, for a few weeks. But the reason that I was able to leave was because Ralph Sampson decided to stay his senior year at Virginia. Because mm. if Ralph had come out, he would have been a number one pick, hands yeah. down. Yeah. And, and the Lakers had that pick. Ralph Sampson which, with Kareem? With Magic and Kareem. <laughs> Magic. And like, you know. They cheated, it, man. I know. <laughs> they were like, cheating with Olajuwon and Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'd be like, you know, him. anybody get to play with that. Mm-hmm. But And the Lakers had made a trade like in 1976 to Cleveland. And Cleveland, in return, gave the Lakers the pick. The pick. Because pick. Mm-hmm. the Lakers had won two out of three championships. They had just won a championship the year they drafted me. Right. And they had that pick because Cleveland fell straight to the bottom. So Ralph decided to stay in school. The Lakers didn't need a prolific score like Dominique. They had Kareem, Jamal Wilkes, they had Magic, they had Norm Nixon. Yeah. Uh, Terry Cummins. Terry Cummins. Chi-Town. Chi-Town. Yeah. Yeah. Play these country boys, not 10. I call mm-hmm. him Pastor C. Pastor C. <laughs> TC. Uh, uh, he was probably a, a better overall player than me. Definitely a better rebound, stronger, strong as shit. Strong. You know, he had that little 15 footer where he couldn't he couldn't feel the lanes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he couldn't he, run. Yes. So, and so they were looking for, and then, you know, they were looking for somebody like, you know, I, I, you know, usually when you're the number one draft pick, you go into the worst team, you the man. You right. get a chance to drop whatever, drop 25, 30. Yeah. Being a Dean Smith guy, they wanted somebody that would be cool, fit not in. starting, you know, be, understand the system, wait his turn, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I was like, cool. Are you the perfect storm. I was cool with that. But I, you know, I also walked in to camp with a lot of confidence, right? So I walk in the gymnasium, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm looking for a spot. Cause I'm thinking, shit, I can start, you know, for this yeah. team. So I see Kareem, I see Magic, I see Jamal Wilkes, who's still, you know, still got it, Norm Nixon, and then I see Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis. And Kurt Rambis got these, glasses. these thick glasses on with duct tape, you know, he got all these apparatuses on his elbow to keep, you know, he smell like Ben Gay and shit, you know. <laughs> Can't jump, he's slow. I'm like, I'm gonna get that spot. In my mind, I'm like, I'm getting that fucking spot right there. So within like 15, 20 minutes of practice, when we started scrimmaging, Kurt Ramon showed me what a real power forward was <laughs> in the NBA, like an NBA power forward. Right. It wasn't nothing like, a college power forward. wasn't no cakewalk. And then I thought about it. Then I thought about, it. damn, there's Kurt, then there's Maurice Lucas, Maurice Lonnie Shelton. I, I started naming all <laughs> these power forwards. I was like, man, I, I gotta sit my ass. All of them strong. And wait for, because I just I wasn't equipped. You find that a lot. Mm-hmm. You, you might size down, but yeah, it was different. It was different, but. But I, I fit in pretty good. Bob McAdoo was on the McAdoo. McAdoo, child to McAdoo. That was my yeah. coach in, in, in Miami. Yeah. Listen, Bob will still shoot your fucking face off right now. And then yeah. he gonna celebrate with the Usain yeah. Bolt. And, and he'll let you know it. He, oh, he ain't gonna stop talking. He ain't gonna stop talking. He's a, he's he's one of my mentors, man. Bobby, call it Bobby Nine. To see these guys winning championships, you know, before you get there, and to come in and Kareem. Mm. It's on the team. Like Kareem is like 
the God, the number one yeah. guy, like for you to be going, and you know, it's already the the, the magic yeah. show, but for Kareem, because a lot of guys don't really give Kareem his props Man. the way they should, but for me, Kareem, that's the, he's the first. <laughs> I was a kid, man, watching, because we didn't get a lot of West Coast games yeah. on the South, but every now and then, uh, yeah, show one. those of you might remember the Wide World of Sports. Wide World of Sports. They might show a UCLA game, Yeah, and you might get, you might see, I remember seeing Kareem when I was maybe in seventh, eighth grade when he was at UCLA. Couldn't play varsity, had to play JV his uh, freshman year. They didn't allow freshmen to play varsity. And the intramural game, the JV team beat the varsity team. And they, that's when they quit that. They stopped that. You know, I heard Charles Barkley say, LeBron getting ready to break Kareem's record. record. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. He's, but he, he was saying that Kareem was forced to stay in school for four years. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. You could imagine if Kareem could have come out. It was high school. He might be ten, fifteen thousand. Because he could have went straight out of high school. Not at the he time. Was good I enough. think it was. Up. No, I'm just no, saying he, he, he was good enough. Yeah, he was good enough that yeah. he could have went straight out of high enough. school. Yeah, you know, could he have come out? I, it just, it just wasn't. Even popular. still, he probably would have came out early, and even if he didn't go straight out of high school, he could have left UCLA early. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, now it was Spencer Haywood who uh, Spencer Haywood yes, one did. Whose yeah. suit went to the whose case went to the Supreme Court. But yeah, but. A lot of people haven't seen his full body of work. Yeah, like in college, he was, uh, <laughs> it was just unstoppable. Dominant. And then his first twelve years in the NBA, I mean, uh, it was just poetry to to his his body of work. I mean, he he played, you know, he went through Will Chamberlain, Wes Unsell, Nate Thurman, and then he got the younger, uh, you know, generation and ate them up early. Patrick Ewan and Kim Olajuwon, then Akeem Olajuwon. Obviously came on, but and then his consciousness, you know, there's a photo, you've seen it with he and Muhammad Ali and yeah. Jim Brown and Yeah. And, you know, Kareem at seven feet, only child at a Catholic school. He he you know, he's probably one of the most misunderstood people. And he's Definitely. recognized that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's recognized his, you know, and reconciled with that. So he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Uh he's a jazz connoisseur. If you want to talk about basketball, he might not give you much, but if you bring up history or jazz or anything that like, he's really a, a novelist and that's why he's getting all these activist awards for mm-hmm. him. So yeah, man, he was, he was a great player, unstoppable, unstoppable. When people say, who's, your, who's the greatest player? For a while, I always say Kareem because I've seen his body of work. But when you think about what LeBron and Michael, um, you know, you can argue. Yeah. Uh, that these, these, You've seen this, a lot of basketballs. Yeah, yeah these, these young guys, man. To see that jump hook, because you don't see, you don't, not the jump hook, to see the hook. I hate mm-hmm. to call it a jump hook. To see the sky hook in live and in, in, in action, like this is a shot that nobody else in the history has done. And you this st- is probably the number one deadliest Still to this shot day, the most unstoppable that nobody does, and the number one player ever, the first, our first GOAT, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, him, he don't want to do this shot. To see it in person, how is it? Because he went well, in games with this at center. It was, it was, you know he was going to go to it, but you couldn't stop it. Now, I was on the other block. Yeah. So I was like, 
sometimes I would forget I was in the game. I'd just be watching. watching it. He practiced it since high school, I think, because you couldn't dunk. You know, you couldn't dunk until 1976. So he never dunked in college. So he developed. So he never dunked in college. Never dunked in college. <laughs> David, <laughs> Thompson, <laughs> David, David Thompson never dunked in college. A lot of, That's a lot crazy. How high David Thompson? <laughs> Top of the backboard. But, you know, it was more to it. That's why no one has ever used it because it was more than just roll it in there. It was so much technique to that shot. Mm-hmm. At the top of his peak, to um, it was pretty. His footwork, so his footwork, his pivoting, and his shoulders would, would really square up to the point he was shooting, and his eye contact. He would catch it, and he would look the defense off, and if and he he could drop dimes. If you look at you know his record, he's he was a dime dropper. If you're cutting, you know he. But he used his eyes, and then he would drop his foot at the same time, and before you knew it, and the one thing that protected it is when he came through, if you wanted your face to be reconstructed, <laughs> right, yeah, you, you wouldn't put your face right there. It, yeah. He came with it and it was just, you couldn't stop it. Yeah. And he could jump off of that one leg, but it was more to it. I, I, like, you know, like a triple jumper in track, there's like mm-hmm. a technique to it. Yeah. And he had, there was more to it than just catching it and rolling. And most guys catch it and they think they can just roll in there. No, you got to, you got to create space by making sure that defense don't hit you quick enough, keep them, you know, pause for just a second. And then when you knew it was coming, they were, I remember Robert Parrish and the Celtics, they were just loading up on that, on that right hand hook. Right he was killed the whole game. <laughs> and so maybe once or twice a month, he would set you up, he would set you up and then he would just drop step with a lazy, with a lazy left. He never really drop step, but he knew when to do it. Uh, really, really one of the smartest people uh, that I've ever met. Tell me this: how how did you feel when you got when you got drafted? Like you know what I'm saying? Like once you declare and you go through all that and you forego your senior year and you like you about to go. Like how what did it feel like to hear your name called and you like you said you be the first because, of, because they pick. you because of the you know yeah. the, they traded that pick but they dropped it became them one pick. Like yeah. how does it feel to know you going to the championship? Showtime Lakers with Magic, who you had just met on the visit, and Reem yeah. sitting there. You got the captain waiting on you. Like, crazy, what man. was that like? What was your thought process? Because that's never happens. The number one pick going to the championship it's team. It's crazy. You know, when you get drafted, for a moment, it feels like they've called you out for the most valuable player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you you've been used to that little that little routine, right? You know, so it happens. You talk to the press a little bit, but then it's not till you get home. You know, you, you, your family, you know, and then you, it might be later on at night when you finally settle down and then you got, you just, just you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then you, then, then you think about, you know, when, when you first started playing, you think about it, just your whole shit just runs through you. Right. And then you start thinking about, you know, all I wanted was a college scholarship. So my mom and dad went, I had two older brothers, so they were working hard to put them through some small black colleges. And so they worked all the time, you know what I mean? So I was like, I'm gonna get a scholarship. So that's all I wanted. Right. That's all I ever wanted. But when you're, when you're sitting there, lying there, you just, then you're like, I'm about to make some paper. A lot of stuff started coming to your mind. 
you know, if you poor. I got a job. Yeah, <laughs> if you grow up, you're not much. Yeah. And, you know, I always thought we had enough. We didn't have, you know, anything, but my mom and dad was home. We Shout always, out Pops we and always mom. had some biscuits and molasses or something, you know. Yeah. All, and so, but then. Biscuits just, and molasses. It, it just run through you. You just, it just run through you. You know, maybe I can buy my mom a house. You start thinking about stuff. And so, it, and then you, you just, you, you you feel like it's a your God got His hand on you for a yes, second. Yes, sir. The blessing, you know. <laughs> and then you just you go from there. You start getting the niche with Mac. You start getting the connection that you have. When you kind of figure it out, like all right, I, I know my spots now. The team is confident in me. They looking for me to score yeah. more buckets now. Uh, I know every time Magic get it, get it to him. Let me fill the lane to get it right back. I know where I get my shots at. I know where I can succeed at. When did that start? You start feeling yourself it's, in that. It, my rookie year around. That chemistry came right away. February. No, it didn't, it didn't come right away, you know, because I'm coming from college. These brothers been playing together and winning championships for, you know, five, six years. And it's, it's, it's basketball, but it's, it's, it's a different. And you, you know, got to prove yourself. It's different, you know, and, you know, the game, it's changed a little bit. Since then, but you know, you you have to get used to like for me, like my body never played more than thirty three games. Right, them eighty two. So you come into the NBA thinking, ain't no way it's gonna be harder than what Coach Smith done put us through. Seventeen suicide, curfews, all this shit. But it is hard, <laughs> man. Like you you got come packed. in here. And I don't care how many four seasons or Rich Carlton you stay in, it gets old quickly. Mm -hmm. You realize, you know, then you sitting there with, you know, uh, you sitting there with yourself, you know. You know, and then what you gonna do now? You done made it, so but then you still got the rest of your life. But I realized around February that I was clicking with magic. Mm -hmm. I realized that, you know, cause I always wanted to show my speed. I would mm -hmm. get out on that break. You just roll. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that ball would fall. Bam! He said, gotta look up. So you gotta know, he could get you from five, Anywhere, 15 yeah, feet, he could get, get you from 70 feet. <laughs> yeah. So you learn how to calculate, you know, him running. Because sometimes you just couldn't run as fast as you could. You had to kind of pace yourself Slow down. with him. Yeah. So with the defense react, he, could, yeah. he was the you best. can't outrun was him. It, was it also part of the- That's what I had to learn when I got to the league. Right. I had to slow, I was instantly hitting, hitting the- Fifth gear. The lane and I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. But I used to have to yeah. go and get out there, but then by, ha by half court, kind of slow down do. and let it all catch up. You do. You know? Because you have to let, you have to let the defense do what it's going to do yeah. to the ball. Or, and then you got your slashes, you got, you got your, your lanes, you got your yeah. But if you get out there, man, I used to be, you know, down there so quickly, yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't be nothing to do. Yeah. I, I want to know, do you think it took a little longer because you came from North Carolina where everything was so fundamental, but then you got there and you got magic. You know, like you said, it's coming from wherever. It's coming yeah. however. And we and, running. We ain't and, even stopping. Like, it, it's not it necessarily play. like, because yeah. I, I had, I, I played for Coach Brown, Larry Brown. Yeah. I know he's a, everything yeah. was run with. It, it's yeah. not a whole lot. He he didn't want to see a lot, like you said, not a lot of boogie. He want to see straight line drives. Yeah. It ain't got to be all this. And would you say that's where you kind of develop like your Statue of Liberty and your finger roll because everything was always quick, straight through. Like it, like it was, one of the things that sticks out to me when I think about about Coach Brown is he would always tell us to run, run with, like mm -hmm. run through it. Mm -hmm. Like 
lay it up and go. Like, and yeah. that's that's kind of like what what you are a figure of. Like the dunk, even with the statue of it's a dunk, straight straight hand dunk. Yes, sir. It's a layup, straight I'm hand in and out. Like you think is that where that kind of developed it, that? It it did because you know the only person that ever held Michael Jordan to fourteen points was Coach Smith. There you go. Right. There so he had a it. system. We didn't have a twenty four second shot clock. And we were still running four corners at the time where we stalled the ball. You know, if you didn't want to come out of that zone, you know, Ralph Sampson, Sampson you sit back in that zone. We, we, we had a score like 20 to 7 one time at halftime. It was boring. But coming to, to L.A. gave me a chance to just burst out of my bubble. I always wanted to run and dunk. And from watching, you know, Dr. J and, you know, you know uh, some of the NBA players, uh, the way the ABA at the time was still getting it, getting getting their groove on, so coming to LA really just enhanced all of that. I was happy that we we're going to be setting up a lot. Yeah, of course we had the sky hook mm-hmm. and we had some other. It was more in assets. tune with your game, though. It elevated my game. Yeah. Something I've been wanting to do. My high school coach was very conservative, you know, high low, you know, yeah. setting, you know <laughs> three passes and all this crap, but magic. Changed like the the whole, he changed the whole <laughs> dynamic, you know, of the way the NBA started to flow and, the, you know, the, the the pace of the game. We ain't seen back-to-back champions since the Celtics, I think, uh, early 70s. Right. Them two seasons, explain them two seasons of y'all going back-to-back and going back to the championship that, that third year. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the Lakers had already succeeded at yeah. – they won in 80, yeah. Magic first came, right. 82, 82, 84, yeah. 85. So they were used to winning, you know, and the Celtics were the last team to win back-to-back, um, and it hadn't been done in like 19 or 20 years. So when we won in 87, we were having like a pre-media thing, and Pat Rowley stood up there – and we're all hung over, you know, and <laughs> ready to go on vacation and celebrate and at least take a month. And, you know, when you win a championship, you just get fat. You know what I mean? You know that's right. <laughs> you know, and he stood up there and he said, and next year I'm guaranteeing that we'll do it again. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like. The crowd went crazy and y'all said, God damn. What did he just say? <laughs> you know, because, you know, that's an automatic target on your back. Yeah, especially a But guarantee. we knew that we had to do it because we had, Done all the, you know, we won a few, and that was a big challenge. And he knew exactly what he was doing because he he wanted to see, you know, how y'all go respond. The greatness, it was the greatness there or not, you know. Motivation. Um, and it motivated us, you know. We usually take a month and a half off. Guys took two weeks off. We was calling each other. That's me at the track. You know, we we went, we started running the track. You know, two hundreds full. Mm-hmm. We started because we know it was going to be a track race. Yeah. And it wasn't easy getting out of the, you know, because, you know, look, Carmelo and Stockton were starting to emerge. They coming. Mark Aguirre and they got Rodano Blackman down in Dallas. You know, mm-hmm. it was tough getting out of here. Yeah. But that motivated us. And I don't Houston know boys. if he hadn't said that. I don't, yeah, Portland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Buck Williams, you know, those guys. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but he knew he had to do something because he was actually. Not that he was running out of motivational speeches, yeah. but he was getting close. Yeah, he had to do something different, and that that did it for us. Man. How how was this though? Because I seen the other day that y'all had 
a practice that y'all ain't practiced together. That team ain't practiced together in like <laughs> like twenty five years. Yeah, what you call it? A practice. It, it, it looked <laughs> good. They to said me. it was I a walkthrough, like a real life yeah, walkthrough. Like, I saw. Like, just I saw. To see y'all don't stand on the court. I don't yeah. even care if a ball just threw around, but just to see. That team, them faces, all you guys alive and well, and you know what I'm saying, yeah, and, and looking good. Man, how was that to just be in that gym with with just everybody? Yeah, the yeah. old crew back you, together. You guys been out how long? How long oh, been? I've been out 13 years now. See, see, you know, you know the relationships that you develop. Yeah, on the teams or the teams that you played on, but when you win together, it's special, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you know. Pat Riley was good at creating that. creating you know good camaraderie. You know you had to, you had to be able to take some some constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. You had That's to, what you, you want to call it. <laughs> you gonna call it that? You gonna call want. it that? Yeah. Don't go ahead and let it be that. You had you had to be willing to like you, you know suck it up uh, for the team. Uh, but it was it was tough, man. But we you know we got through it. You know, Riles was a, he was he was all about preparation, 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 preparation. Then he had that damn video, boy, that video machine. <laughs> but but yeah, man, it, that's you know, getting we, we were a team. Yeah, yeah, we held it together. I'm talking about for y'all to get together and, and just be together, what's that? That was like 89 was the last, that's when yeah. Kareem retired in 88. 89, 89. We won in 87, 88, 88 we, we beat Detroit. And then y'all lost in 89. And then we lost to Detroit in 89. That was Kareem's Kareem last so, year. So y'all, that team haven't been together Around no. in the same building, no. together, take a photo together mm-hmm. in thirty years. 30 yeah, I mean, years. some of us like I see Magic from time to time. I'm yeah, I'm like, talking about, but it's but different when you see somebody. Total. But I'm talking about the whole group yeah, is was, together. And you know, man, there was there were you know there were guys there that 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 I didn't play with, like Spencer yeah. Haywood, yeah, and Jim Jones, mm. and Brewer, yeah, and you know, and the guys that that got us ready to play. Like my boy Larry Spriggs mm-hmm. played a Howard. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, he he never got to play, but boy, he bust my ass in practice. Yeah. Make sure, so those are the guys I used to hang with, you know. Yeah. After the game, you you got memories. Yeah. And you know, you got, you know, you shared tears with these yeah. guys on the bus, man, about certain things in your well, life, too. you yeah. know, and so, uh, some of them you hadn't seen in 25, 30 years, but when you walk in that lobby, Right back where and, we left. And there's off. like you know seven feet five Chuck Nevitt, you know, <laughs> crazy. Uh, my man, my man, uh, Wes Matthews, you know, mm-hmm. who who was vital and keeping us, you know, keeping our spirits up, you know. And so you you remember all that that shit on the bus, you know, that brother you sit by on the plane, you know, you remember all that. The guy that lived across, that was across the hall from you in the hotel, and what y'all went through, and. You know the conversations that you had, and the, the the trials and tribulations you went through, man. You it just right there, all that energy. Bob McAdoo, my mentor <laughs> from North Carolina, you know, and so it was special, man. That Magic and Pat Riley put that together. Yeah, you know, I, and I would advise if you can do it, man, do try it. to do it, man. Because it's uh, it's spiritual and it's uh, it's growth. Yeah, you know, you see all these people and you have all these memories. Some, you know. Some guys you left, you know, you needed to reconcile something. And you see them, you'd be like, ah, nah, you know. I miss you. Know, you know, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, man, this is bullshit. I can't believe we went through. You're like, man, you're like, we so you're old like Kobe and, and Shaq, now. but do they look yeah, better? Yeah, then yeah. they realize. So, but yeah, man, I advise, it's like any like high school reunion. If you can, if you can do it because 
NBA is just special fraternity, man. Yeah. It's, it's unique. You always want a nickname. You always, like when you get in this league, you want a nickname. When was the first time you heard Big Game? Man, it was during the playoffs because always my percentages always went up during the playoffs. So Chick Hearn, the voice of the Lakers for since 1961 until, yes, until he passed, he was he had all these isms. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> uh, he had a lot of them. Uh, you know, eggs are cooling, the lights are out in the refrigerators, jello jiggling. jiggling, all this stuff. And so he recognized that my scoring average went up, shooting percentage was way up. And he was like, you know, after after any particular play, he might come up with some something new. Yeah. And and I don't know, he slam dunk, whatever. And then I made a play and he's like, big game James. And big it game stuck. James. And it stuck. And then Pat O'Brien took it from, you know, Chick. local and he put it on national TV. Yeah, yeah, he's got a big bean. So that's it, man. My corporation is big game. I go through the airport. Yeah. That's what I get. Mm-hmm. And, and it tickles me pink, man. It's cool as shit. To see, so to see the kids and see the, the fans call you big game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, how is that for you? Especially the kids. Because, yeah. you know, now they got the smartphones, big they game. got the cars. James. Their grandparents done told them, you know, yeah. straight up. Uh, that's big so game. It's cool. <laughs> I, I, that's what I mean. I, I mean, I love it when I'm at the airport. And, you know, the, the guys that work at the airport or the, the guy that might be shining shoes, you're like, big game. You know, I'm like, all right. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. That is, that is, you know, everybody got a nickname, whatever. Yeah. But that one's kind of, that kind of sticks outside of Los Angeles and it's, yeah. it's cool, it's kind of cool. How, how cool was it for you to go from, you know, obviously winning the championship at UNC and, and then declaring being overall number one pick, but then you get there and in a couple years now, here you are, you part of the Showtime Lakers and y'all winning the championship. What like, and like, that's a different type of top of the top. Like, what was that like winning a championship with that team here in LA and being the, the you know, the creme de la creme of the league? What was that like? It was tough, man. I mean, the first few years, my rookie year, I broke my leg uh, in April. So I didn't really get to play in that year that Philly won, fo 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 with Moses. I don't know these. if anybody could beat them that year. They were good. But then I came back my second year and we lost to the Celtics right. in 1984, man. Mm-hmm. I made a, we won game one, 13 seconds left. I make this errant pass. We, we should have had that one. That was still a nightmare to me. But then in 85, we redeemed ourselves. So I think that championship in 85 was was the most important one because the Lakers had never beaten the Celtics, ever. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics beat them like six right. or seven times. So that's when I kind of knew I, you know, I had arrived and you know, I was making an impact. In my opinion, one of the biggest, biggest and long living rivalries in sports is the Lakers and Celtics. Talk to me about being a part of that. Like to me, I look at it as like it's more, it's so much of a rivalry even now. Like me moving into you know, retirement and working right. for the Magic and like, I watch you, you work for the Lakers. I, I watch you go back and forth with Cornbread yeah. Maxwell with the Celtics <laughs> and y'all are beyond playing days. Y'all are in, yeah. the, in the studios doing the same thing. Like, tell me about how 
true yeah. and tried that rivalry and how real it is with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles it's, Lakers. It's real. It's real. Cause man. I feel like we experience it every time. We yeah. get a we get a little get a little taste of it, whether Boston, it's like you say with Boston, you. Boston's tough on everybody, but uh and, and you know, I grew up a Cedric Maxwell fan, one of my favorite people, man, when he played at UNCC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 good buddies and we go back and forth. Uh but you know, the the Laker Celtic rivalry, it was unique and it was special because Boston had that platform for years. They mm. were the Boston Celtics. Right. Nobody Champ could beat years. them. And then, yeah. you know, the ABA came along and Dr. J and all the all the players, all the brothers was going <laughs> to the ABA and that, <laughs> right. that red, right, blue ball, and they were like, damn, you know. So they merged, but the Celtics have always been that team. They beat the they beat the Lakers, I think, seven times. Mm-hmm. Jerry West would never go back to Boston when we played all those series. He would never go back. He just it was too painful. And you know, Bill Russell rub it in too. You know, Bill let him know I got ten rings and one on my toe. You know, he got that. <laughs> but what made the the the, the Lakers Celtic rivalry so unique was. It happened with the 60s, but I think it really evolved when Magic and Bird came in. Right. Okay, so you got the Celtics, kind of a blue-collar city, mm-hmm. the old style of basketball. They ran a little bit with Kuzi mm-hmm. and those guys and, and and Bill Ross. I'm not gonna say they didn't run, but not like when, when Magic came along. So you had that, you know, you had Boston, you had a radical component, you had a racist city mm-hmm. that was you know full of like hate and you know busing was a was a big thing, and then you had magic on the west coast. You know, sun is shining, you surfing. It was up and down the court. It was fast paced. You know, magic was doing Smiling. stuff that was yeah. You know, dunking on people, alley ooping, Koopa looping, mm-hmm. sky hooking. You had Doctor Bus who was, you know, he knew what his brand was. It was Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to put floor seats on the floor. You know, he had, he was the first one to have like Laker girls. So it was, people didn't want to accept it. Mm-hmm. And so that rivalry was like stirred up again. It went away for a while, but it was stirred up and all that came up again. I, I actually, I actually was a JoJo White fan back in the day. JoJo White. All Styles. St. Like, Louis right there. Yeah. All Styles. <laughs> I used to pull for the Celtics. You know? yeah. uh, Sam Jones went to the same yeah. college my brother went to. I was a little younger, but 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 that, that rivalry had a lot of components to it. You know, Magic versus Bird. Black versus White kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, history versus, you know, we'd never beaten them. I remember playing four exhibition games my I think it was my rookie year they were trying to stir that up because I only had Commissioner O'Brien for one year and then Commissioner Stern came in and he's like light bulbs went off he said I see something here he got a huge television contract for the first time Mm -hmm. with CBS and it was on he had something he could promote Mm -hmm. and we were in the playoffs a lot, and it was just, you know, that's how that rival, you know, jump-started itself up again. But it was it was tough going into Boston, man. 
You know, there wasn't no air conditioning in there. <laughs> no heat in the wintertime. Talk about the cold showers after the game. How the showers would be cold. The showers, that was still going the on when we got to the league. Yeah, the showers <laughs> were like, you know, six feet tall max. You go into the hotel. We stayed at Copsey Square. You tell the operator that you didn't want any calls. They would just keep them coming. And fans, you know, it was bad. You know, it was they, they, they were some bad fans. You hear all kind of stuff. And you know, we, we had the option in the old Boston Garden. Did you guys play in the old one? Yes, that's what I'm saying. When we old, first got okay. in, it was still the so, old one. I don't know where they let you guys off in the bus, but you had the option to go all the way around the city through traffic and come up this big wooden ramp they had. I don't know if they fixed we it. We were or still not. coming up the ramp. Or you could be let off if you wanted to save time, you could be let off with a train let, where everybody else is getting off. This is how we used to roll. No bodyguards, no nothing. You get off where the fans are coming in, and it was just one little elevator you could catch to go down to the floor level for players. But while you were standing there, they was coming off that train, and they would just be letting you have it, man. Ah, we used to walk from the Dallas reunion. I'm going. I know I'm going off, but no, for, in Dallas at the reunion, we, there was the Hyatt was right across the street, so you could catch the early bus to go over. Or you could walk over. We used to always just walk. Me, Magic, Kareem, and they got. They got they got they got used to us walking about two football field lengths to the arena, to the point that they started having parties there. So as soon as we come out the door, they be ah, they let you have it. No bodyguards, no nothing. We just walk across the street, wait for the lights. So that's where we used to roll, man. But but the Celtics had probably the the most vicious fans, and it was a tough place to play. It was you know that that arena looked great on TV, but it was it was it was it's pretty shitty on the inside. How sick was it when you when y'all beat them for, for your first time? Like like they had already like you said it was yeah. already a rivalry going on when you got the championship over the set the first one. What yeah. was that like for you? The the only championship won in that building outside of the Celtics. We got one in there, and you know we knew we were representing ourselves, but we also knew we were representing like a hurtful city. Mm-hmm. You know, Elgin Baylor. History. Jerry West. Shout out Elgin Baylor, man. Yeah. That was our GM with the Clippers. He drafted yeah. us. He drafted us, and he never really was labeled the GM yeah. unless it was bad stuff going on. Exactly. And, like, he, him and his wife, like, I got the most uh, utmost respect for them. Yeah. Like, no matter what was going on with all that, they were always the most kind and generous people to all of the players. Not just me and my family, but, like, I witnessed that with all of my teammates and everybody was there throughout time. Elgin and his wife were two of the nicest individuals the entire time throughout. And even after I left and came back when he was still there and all that. So, you know, shout out to, to you know, God bless the dead, rest in peace, Elgin. But his wife was, was awesome and was there I'm, as well. I'm glad you said that, man, because, you know, Elgin Bella was, if, if you want to take a page or pages out of someone's book and put it to yours, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. Ultimate gentleman. Awesome. You know, his wife would cook meals and, you know, he would put an apron on and clean off the table and wash dishes and do all this stuff in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Jerry West came to the Lakers in 60 when they was, yeah, 61. And it was Elgin Baylor who took Jerry under his wing and had him adapt to being around some brothers, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. brought him in. And But he was he was a great man, man. Nah, but, he was awesome too. Uh, but I knew when we beat the Celtics that year, 
we were representing all those guys who never won. So it was it was pretty cool to to be able to do that. 36, 16, and 10. Woo-hoo. You was MVP <laughs> of an NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Tell me what, like, that's the- Busting ass out there In the NBA, <laughs> that's the highest level, the biggest stage, the <laughs> biggest performance you could have, and you walked away with that, with both trophies. Like, tell me, how did that feel? Like, that's like, we the world champs, I'm the MVP. One could surmise that I'm I'm kind of like the best player on the planet right now. Like I would have walked away like that. I don't know about you, but like, how yeah. did you feel after that in '88? And that was after back-to-back finals too, because y'all yeah. won in '87. Yeah, it was it was special, man. Like I, <laughs> that's top I, of the world. I, I status. always start coming to the Lakers because when you're the number one draft pick, if I had gone to the Clippers, you know, I would have been the guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, but. When you come to the Lakers, I always felt like, not not that I had to prove that I could play, but I had to prove my value to, to a team that was already loaded. Valuable. loaded you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was always that that commodity that they could trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every year. Like, and rumors and shit. Mark Aguirre, it's going to be this. You so I always felt like I, I always got to prove till I proved it, you know what I mean? So I had a great year in 87. It was that, that was our best team ever, I think. Right. But Kareem was getting a little bit older, you know, and I, he could still he was still throwing it in 88, but he retired in 89. So I saw that he was slowing down a little bit. So two years prior to that, Pat Riley had a conversation with Magic and said, you need to step up your scoring a little bit. We need you to score more. So Magic was MVP in 87. He was scoring more. Same thing happened to me. When Kareem was slowing down a little bit, I knew it was time. Mm. I was like, okay, so I got to be a little bit more aggressive. I know I can play, you know, step it up. And that, you have to do that in the NBA. You got you to gotta step up or step out. Mm-hmm. And we were on the stage. Uh, against the Pistons, and I said, I, I, you know, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I knew mentally that, you know, you just when you grinding it, you know, ain't nobody going to touch you on a particular yeah. nights when you feeling it like that. And that was my night, you know. Uh, it, it was, was game serious. seven. It was a series. Game, game seven. seven all yeah, that. You know, <laughs> I only got one triple double. Only that was it. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's special. So, in the biggest game ever. It was special, man. Mm-hmm. Against against Isaiah, I got him back for uh, beating me in college. Right. <laughs> it was sleepy. I got back from high school. You got and, a lot of good. You yeah, good a lot of good man. Never forget. <laughs> when you heard you from the B fiftieth greatest players, like you've been, you was named as one of the fiftieth greatest players with. Some of the names that you seen come before you that you looked up to, and some of your peers that you came up along the way and seen them grow, too. Yeah. How was that? And them, them jackets and stuff, and that just that whole experience. Yeah, Hamilton, of that. shout so out to We Jeff just Hamilton. seen we just seen the seventy fifth yeah. anniversary, but I remember the first one. Yeah, that Excuse intrigued everybody. Cleveland, how cold so is that? Cleveland, like how was that? For you? you know, man, for somebody that only wanted a college scholarship, broke my ankle and. College broke my leg. You just never think about think it. You, 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 you want to win a championship now. You, you do think about that, even if you're not playing a lot of minutes, you know, your, your practice time, the contribution, you think about that. But top 50, and I know being a Laker, 
and winning and being on that platform helped a little bit, but then I I had to pull my weight at the end. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a trip. It's you know because at the time I was like, well, like Bob McAdoo not on that on that first fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to choose that. Definitely, is. there was a couple brothers I probably like Adrian Dantley wasn't on there. Exactly. I, I know AD. You know, mm-hmm. he came before me, mm-hmm. but because of winning. And you know maybe being a, a most valuable player in '88 and being on uh, elevated with the Lakers all the time and being one of their three helped a lot because there's a lot of memories there. But mm-hmm. I just think about man, you know, you you always go back to you know like Coach Bird. You, you, you go yeah. back and you think How about you all them. You know they they you know they keep you out of trouble when you're getting ready to get in trouble. Or when you get in trouble, they they pull you to the side. You think about all the stuff you could have done. You know what I mean? But you just be you feel blessed, and you knew you did something right. You know, so it's it's like you you, it's like a book ending. You know what I mean? It makes you proud. You know, Uh, you remember what your parents you know taught you, and you try to live up to that the best you can. You think about a lot of things. What do it mean to you to be a Laker? You know, like you are, you a part of history. Now these, the these, these, you, yeah, you won the ultimate Lakers. Now these, these young cats that's coming and put trying to put their their purple and gold on. Like you are one of the legends that they look up to, and they and they watch your career and set the bar and try to be like you. So what do, what does it mean to be a Laker? Well, you know that's. I've only been a Laker. I've never played for yeah, anybody right. else, so that's all yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to mm-hmm. be on, like you know, uh, like I talk to Robert Ory all the time. You know, he's like San Antonio. I'm like, oh, I thought you was a Laker. Like I was also a, a Spur. <laughs> so, but so I'm, you know, I'm invested. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all. You know, so it feels good to be able to have accomplished something mm-hmm. and it be remembered, and they still talk about it, like, like. Before every Laker game, they got the big billboard. There's one play that I had against the Celtics where I dove on the sideline. They show it before every game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these kids, you know, like who have no idea, they rem- you know they know Do that. Quick so when you work for the Lakers, you know, you guys work for perspective, you know, youth foundations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You get connected, yeah, you know, to the community. So. Uh, I wear that with pride, I, you know. And then I, w- I might walk up to somebody who's been a a ticket season holder for forty years, mm-hmm. and they know my entire life, know everything. They you know, got, every, come they and got go. every article. <laughs> they remember everything, everything, man. Yeah. So that's always special. Over time, you guys are getting that now. Mm-hmm. You're getting away from the game, and people come up to you and they'll tell you something. You'll be like, "Yeah, I remember that." Yeah. I, I man, I became friends with like. Bell captains mm-hmm. at certain hotels. <laughs> I, I know Charlie and them by name. Does, you know what it, I mean. Does it ever amaze you or, or blow you away? Because like I, I don't know about the. I follow you on social media, so I see like you were just like in Italy or something. Yeah. And it's like, does it ever blow you away that people walk up to you just hanging with your family and having yeah. a you know chill time? You not you might not even have any Lakers stuff on, but people recognize you and they want to take pictures and they want to tell you about these memories or these yeah. moments or this. Like, does it ever like just ever blow you away? Like, yo, this is like, I'm one of those Lakers that is, I'm a staple. It never will, you know, I'm part of Laker Nation yeah. all the way through and through. It's global. 
I mean, the Lakers are obviously one of the bigger brands. You know, Chicago did their thing. Miami came and won. With mm-hmm. you know, so there's certain brands that are they're just global, and the NBA is global. Uh, but it's really you know kind of weird when you're like you know in Italy in a small town a Noto or somewhere and someone you're walking <laughs> and you know you're just chilling with your gelato <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> you know you didn't have some wine about that. Some, you know some <laughs> cappuccino you just you know you're on you're vacation yeah. you, you know nobody know and all of a sudden you'll walk by somebody and they'll be like oh my god Oh my God, it's James Worthy, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like from- Big game. Yeah, they'll be from another country, from right. Israel. And like, so it is cool, you know. Uh, NBA has grown, man. And it's a privilege to be a part of that fraternity. But it's also nice. I'm 61 now. And yeah. so it's kind of cool to be, you know, recognized and that the NBA still, you know, sees you as- a valuable asset, and as they do all their players, you know we, yeah. you know we got, in, you know we got the insurance now, you know, yeah. you know over over time, so it's it's a great fraternity to be a part of. Man. Yeah. I'm just I'm just happy that I can be an ambassador for the game. How was the icing on the cake? You heard that you're gonna be a Hall of Famer. Like how yeah. how was that hmm. for you? And you know you get your statue, your own statue. You get this whole ceremony based around you and the other Hall of Fame inductees. Like how was that experience for you and your family? It's crazy, man. Uh, I did have my family there with me. It's kind of like, you know, it's like the bookend. You know, you what else can you do after that? Yeah. You know, I got denied the first couple times. You you just don't know with the yeah. Naismith Hall of Fame. Uh, but Which when, is crazy. But when you get it, <laughs> when you get it, it's like, you know, I, I'm. You think about I. I always think about I'm, I, I want to be a good teammate. Mm-hmm. You know that that was my that was my biggest thing. I want to be a good teammate. I want to I want to love my teammates. I want us to be honest. So I think about all the relationships when you're standing at the podium. <laughs> I think about the coaches who you know who will pull you to the side and say, "Look, you don't need to be hanging. You don't need to be smoking yeah. no weed. You need mm-hmm. to be you know you need to go yeah, to class. Right path, you know mm-hmm. you think about those people in your life." Uh, when you're standing at the Hall of Fame, because that embodies a l- more than just the play. Obviously, you gotta you gotta have the play to go with right, it. But yeah. there's a lot of people that that lifted you up and kept you you know kept, kept you wrong. straight yeah. when you could have gone different right. different route. So I think yeah. about those. That that was what I thought about. Yeah, I tell I my kids all the time, like man. It, it took a village for me to get here. Yeah. So many people helped me along the way, and I was like, man, yeah. embrace the people. It's a lot of people who love and care about you that want you to succeed, yeah. so embrace it. And when you get older, you know, when you get older, you can make you, you can make decisions, make decisions on your own, yeah. do what you want to do. I'm not trying yeah. to tell people what to do or what not to do, yeah. but when you're 14 and you're 15, you know you kind of need that. Yeah, yeah you know you kind of wild and trying to be yeah. like you conforming. You you kind of need somebody to pull you to the side and say, "Yo." Hey, tell me this: like you, you was a person that that really got to see MJ come into college, right? Then you left, and you got to go to the NBA, and you you big dogging it, winning chips, winning this, and doing that. What was it to see? The young freshman MJ coming to the league, bugging you, pestering you by one-on-ones, and then see him coming to the league and become Michael Air Jordan, a.k.a. his airness and all of that he's become. Like, what was it like to witness that? You know, it was like a meteoric rise. Like, what was it like for you who knew him already and, you know, had some 
sentiments about what he had going, but like, what was it like to see that whole just development of Michael Jordan? Yeah, we called him Mike. When he first came, it was Mike, and then he evolved into Michael. And I knew, I knew he was gonna be good. You know, I knew he was gonna be an all-star. You know, I had already played, you know, against Clyde Drexler and, you know, some other, you know, top guards. I said, Michael's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. <laughs> right. I really didn't. I only played, you know, four months, five, six months of college with him. Right. And we'd play pickup games in the in the summertime and he was still learning the game, man. He was kinda like a late bloomer. He was you know, he got once he got that science down and the theory, he didn't have to utilize all his energy. Right. And Coach Smith helped him with that. And uh, then he got to Chicago, tried to do it all, hurt his foot, got delayed a little bit. Then he started to continue because he's always been like his mind just won't stop. Right. And he figured it out. And I started to see, I was like, it was maybe like his fifth year. I was like, he's elevating. Like it wasn't no peak yet. I said, he's he's steady rising. Yeah. He's late, later than most. Right. You know, I had mine in college and, you know, came to the NBA and sustained it, but he was still elevating. And I was like, he is going to be, you know, multiple all-stars, MVP. I started thinking MVP candidates, stuff like that. And, and he surpassed all of that. When it came to the point, because I remember this vividly, I was sitting on my front room floor watching. When y'all played in the finals, what was it like experiencing that? To know where he had come from, to see him, okay, now he's about to conquer it and get to the top of the mountain. What was it like seeing that? Well, I know Michael, and I know when he gets his mind set, you know, he's he's committed. And we won game one. Right. We won I, well, I remember. I, cried. Everybody, I literally came cried. in, punched him in the mouth. We, Real tears. You know, I cried we, at home. We, we limped in. I'm not, I'm not saying the Itch. outcome would have been different and we'd have been healthy, but it would have been nice to have been healthier. Mm-hmm. You know, Magic went down. Byron was hurt. I, I yes. came in from – the Portland series with a you know a limpy ankle, but I was grateful for it all. But, but, <laughs> but that's not why we lost. You know they were. I mean you know you know Horace Grant. You know you know Pippen. You know they had you know B J. Shooters you know, everywhere. Yeah, uh, you know Harper. They had that guys. was like the year where we came, and I was like, but I could tell Michael was thirsty, man. He was thirsty, and you don't want to see him when he's real thirsty, <laughs> and because Detroit had just. Killed him they, for, they for five, six him. years. You know, had Jordan rules, and he just, it was just hard. To, but once he got past them, uh, and then, you know, he's getting a chance to play the Lakers. Right. And get your first one get, against that against, against Magic franchise. I was like, he don't need no more extra motivation. But, you know, they were successful. And, you know, but they had a really good group of players. You know, Michael was the, obviously the head of that snake, but they really had, you know, they did. They were awesome. They were good. Start bench trade. You got a trade person, you got to start one, you got to bench one. Iceman, Dr. J, Larry Bird. Who do I start, who do I bench? And who do you trade? Who do I trade? Okay, so, <sighs> Iceman is buckets anywhere on the floor. Ice. I told you, I had one of my best defensive games ever <laughs> against Iceman. And the assistant coach, Bill Berker, came up to me and he's like, 
best defense ever against ice. I've never seen anybody play <laughs> defense against ice like you did. You got through every pick. Your hand was in his face. You you were physical with him. You did everything. How many you get? And I looked at Coach. I said, I said, Coach, he, he just dropped 47 on my ass. What you talking about? <laughs> he said, don't worry about the points. He said, don't worry about the points. Just worry about the – I said, all right. So I, I got to keep ice, man. Ice starting. <laughs> um, Dr. J. Alberto. I grew up a Dr. J fan, you know. Gliding through the air, ABA days, yeah. solid. But Larry, Larry Bird, Bird. <laughs> I got to keep Larry. <laughs> because Doc didn't really have the outside shot. Yeah. He could get to the bucket. Ice could do it all from anywhere. Yeah. Larry could just flat out score and give you numbers and know how to be talking shit. That's why I about that. I want one I got I, I got to follow up to that. Like was Larry really telling you what he was about to do to you before he did? I've heard so many different stories. How, like, what type of trash talk was you was y'all getting from Larry Bird? You know, with the Lakers, he wasn't at his top of his game, but mm-hmm. like Atlanta and teams like that. But there were times where he would come out of a timeout. I remember this one time. You might have heard this before because he did with a lot of people. I had to guard him. You know the play is coming, but he would tell you it's coming. He told you to play. You know, with DJ handling, Robert's gonna, Mikael's gonna set a flash, a pick for, for Robert, but Robert, that's only to free him up to come and set a pick for me. <laughs> and he says, if you trail, I'm gonna trail into the lane and to a little floater. And he said, if you fucking pop, he said, if you try to get over the top, he said, I'm going to pop to that corner and bust a jumper in your fucking face. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. I'm, I'm all up on it. <laughs> you know, I got a shirt tail. I'm holding it. You know, I'm like, you. You, know, I'm like, you know where I'm from. I'm from Gastonia. I mean, he ain't talking. He ain't gonna... Sure enough, man. The ball comes in. <laughs> DJ takes a couple of dribbles. I'm quick. I'm quick enough. I think I can get over the top. I, I, I get over the top. I get out there, but he pops to the corner and I'm running. He kind of waiting, you know. Wait, <laughs> he was an asshole. <laughs> but I would have to keep him, and you know, I, I had to keep Doc off the break. You know, he was one of my favorite players growing yeah, up. But, running in lane. But when you got a three-point shooter, he, you know, Larry Bird used to, at the All-Star game for a few years, he would go into the locker room and all the contestants would be over there. Three-point contest? All the three-point contestants would be sitting in there about to go out. And he would walk in. He did this for like three or three years in a row. And he was like, which one of y'all is coming in second? And then he would just walk out and win the damn thing. <laughs> he was that good. I didn't like him, but he was, he was that That's good. That's when you walk off with that one finger up on with your ass. Finger. Before, before we get you up out of here, I, I would be remiss if we didn't ask you because – I kind of know the story. I want to hear you tell it to everybody. Else. Number forty-two. I got a cousin. Wore that Rico Hill. He wore forty-two because Big James, Big Game James, had the had the Sports Illustrated on the wall. Like he was one of the reasons why I respected and loved your game like that. Why did you choose jersey number forty-two? You know, it was it was it was uh it was really weird. I I, I wore number fifty-two my whole life. Right. 
And when I came to the Lakers, Jamal Wilkes was 52. And, you know, Silk, you know, you can't, you can't even yes. ask Silk. First original stretch Look, yo, for. Uh, you can't even, you know, what, what was that movie? Uh, I can't think of his movie, but he was, he was all drinking orange, orange sodas in a movie back in the day. But anyway, uh, Cornbread Earl and Me. Check that out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Lawrence Fishburne. I'm a movie yeah, guy. Yeah, go, go, go do uh, y'all research, young folks. But anyway, he had, Jamal had 52. I'm so I was just talking to my dad one day. You know, I, had, I hadn't arrived in LA yet. I was still in Chapel Hill. And I was like, well, dad, you know, 52 has come to an end. I think I'm going to get 40. 40, you know, I don't know. I didn't care. I just like, you know, I don't get something. 54. I didn't. And, my dad was a huge old Negro League baseball fan and up until <clears throat> the Jackie Robinson days. And he's like, he just said, what about Jackie? And I was like, at the time I didn't know he was talking about Jackie Robinson. And I was like, who's Jackie? I said, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Jackie. <laughs> then it hit me, Jackie Robinson. Hmm. And so I said, is 42 available? I called the man and he said, yeah. So I, I got 42 and then it picked up why did I choose 42? And I started to tell the story. I started to get a little bit more respect because I knew the Jackie Robinson history. You know, I knew how great he was and all the, you know, the sacrifices he made. And so people thought it was cool that I wore it because of Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I wore that with honor. Hey, that's a, that's a definitely a salute, man. We, this is, yes, this sir, is man. epic, man. We got the OG. I should have wore some goggles up in this piece, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We got him in the building. We in LA, man. We appreciate you. Hey, for man. Coming the pleasure's, man. Y'all, y'all keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep for connecting, real. keep conversating, and, you know, bringing history from way back to now. And it's a nice blend. Really nah, we appreciate it, man. what y'all doing, man. Definitely somebody who we grew up loving and learning the game from, and it's awesome for us to be. Definitely the reason I used to run that flow. Like, yo, pops, <laughs> pops. <laughs> I was sitting here with big, big game, game James yeah. today. You feel me? Like yeah. real talk. Like this, this is special, man. We yeah. appreciate tell y'all. Y'all tap in. Tell all your uncles and grandparents and everybody. I said, yo, yeah, <laughs> we in the building. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads Podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. theplayerstribute.com